0: The title of the message today is What Type of Man Was This James? Now we're teaching from the, uh, through the epistle of James, the letter of James, and last week we covered verses 16 through 20. So let's bring into context the things that we've talked about and go into the next verses. What type of man was this James? Because as we... Uh, reading his book, we need to know a little bit about James in order to know why is he saying some of the things that he's saying. Now, he grew up in the same house with Jesus. Now, he did not accept the Messiahship of Jesus until after the resurrection. And James, uh, and, and so so you see that James here, being the half-brother of Jesus, he is influenced by Jesus, but yet and still uh, not accepting who he really was and is. And you would see and understand the way that is it is because um, Joseph was the same way. His brothers did not accept what God had already established in Joseph. And it would be the same thing in your household if you told people that you, you know, uh, you, or called to do great things and that the the family was going to be blessed because of you, uh, that wouldn't go over too well, you know, with your sisters or brothers or your parents and things of that nature. So you can understand that. So in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, let's look at verse 3 through 7. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died, for our sins according to the scriptures. Now, Paul is saying here that this is first importance. First importance. We need to know that unless the foundation is solid, everything that's built on it is subject to fall, depending upon the circumstances. So we must understand that Jesus Christ is the one who has died for our sins, and therefore we must worship him. Regardless of what anybody tell you, regardless of what you may feel, your death will not deliver people from their sins. Do you understand that? No one else's death is going to uh, deliver them from their sins, or us from our sins. I don't care what their, their, their name, I don't care what kind of person they were, they can be a great person, they can be, you know... Uh, very charismatic. They can, they can have all people following them. I don't care if their name is Mohammed. I don't, I don't care if they're Buddha. I don't care who they are. They cannot save anybody from their sins. We're in agreement with that, aren't we? It's Jesus Christ. That's the first importance. And it says, And that he was buried, and that he raised the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. Most of them remain na- until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. So the theologians believe that it is this experience that James became a true uh, worshiper and believer that his brother was the Messiah. And we see that, that from that time on that he now followed Jesus Christ. And then you understand also why he said uh, in the beginning, uh, he, he didn't say that uh, James, the brother of Jesus, he didn't open up the epistle like that. He said a servant of Jesus Christ. And so he understood at that time who Jesus was. And he believed in it. He did not remain unmoved. By. Jesus' presence in the, in the household. And no one. No one will remain unmoved. By your presence in your workplaces. And in your homes. If you will be. Like Jesus has told us to be. And his father. Knew and told him. He, he, he followed his father's. Uh, instructions, how he's supposed to be. So we'd understand that Jesus was kind. He was compassionate. You, You know that he had to be considerate. He had to be unselfish because this is Jesus Christ. So even as a teenager, you know, he was not selfish. So that's why I believe that James could finally say when he saw Jesus after the resurrection. He said, wow, you know, it is really true. He is who he said he was. People would say the same thing about you in your workplaces. If you do what's right, if you show kindness and consideration, if you're unselfish in your household, if you are, are very gentle and kind with your words, you know, you can't picture Jesus as a teenager talking Uh, uh, bad to his mother, being rebellious to his his parents. He was not like that because he understood what he was there for. He understood the father's wishes and he wanted to always do that which pleased his father. And we should want to do the same thing. It 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 should change us from the inside out. Let's look at Acts chapter 1 and we'll see verse 13 and 14. It says here that when they entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, that is, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Phis, and Simon and Zillah, and Judas, the son of James. These all, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, So we see here that we have Jesus' mother is there at the time in the upper room. We see that in Acts chapter 12, let's turn there, verses 17. That says, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had led him out of the prison. Let's talk about Peter. And he said, report these things to James and the brethren. James rose to eminence because of his lifestyle. James did not uh, just all of a sudden become uh, a person who wanted to follow Jesus as far as his lifestyle. James wanted to follow God because Jews didn't believe in the Messiah. They didn't believe the Messiah had come yet, but they, they did believe in and God, and so he wanted to be a follower of the law. Matter of fact, they called John, or James, really James, the Just. Some call him that because of his lifestyle. You can understand then why he could say, "Count it all joy when you fall into, you know, different and various type of trials," because he saw his brother, he saw the way he was treated. In his household, he saw the way he was treated by other people, but yet he knew that Jesus did not uh, retaliate. He didn't. He wasn't abusive with his words, or any such thing. He he saw that, so he can say, count it all joy. That's in James, of course, uh, one chapter two and three. We know that trials come to all people. All people. The Christians should go through trials differently. They really should. And if we look at 2 Corinthians, let's turn and look at 2 Corinthians. Uh, it tells us a little something about um, how one man of God, which is Paul, went through things. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Start there. Are they the servants of Christ? I speak as if insane, I more so, and far more laborers, far more imprisonments, beaten, times without number, often in danger of death, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers in the sea, dangers among the false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure apart from such external things. There is also daily pressure of me on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? who is led into sin without my intense concern. If I have boast, I will not boast of what pertains to my, I will boast of what pertains to my weaknesses, not my strengths. And most of us here, if not all, will will, will say that I've never been through all that, that Paul went through, that I've never gone through, you know, uh, five times, Received from the Jews 39 lashes. My goodness gracious. He was stoned once. You know? We haven't been stoned and drug out of the city as dead. You know? But we've been through some things. How did Paul go through these things that he went through? Did he go through these things, mourning and complaining about how society is and you know, uh, uh, he wished that you know, people would change and things like that? No, no. He went through these things knowing that he was called for such a time as that he's called to suffer. He wanted to fellowship with the sufferings of the Lord. It was part of what he had to go through as a call on his life. And we have to go through things, but we need to go through them in such a way that people can look back and they can glean from it and say, glory, hallelujah. I want to go through things in my life like Steve... Went through things in his life, you know. I want to go through things in my life like my mother went through things in her life, like my father went through things in his life. He didn't go through those things complaining and, and, and you know, uh, being bitter about things. He went through it rejoicing in the Lord. He rejoiced always. That's how we want to go through things. Things are going to happen to us all. We're going to all have bad situations happen to us. How are you going to react and act doing those things? Are you going to present to your family members, because that's the most important ones to uh, be a witness to, those within the, in the four walls of your household, because they really see the real you? How are you going to present the gospel, the good news, to them? Because it is good news that Jesus came and died for our sins. He was resurrected, and we'll live with him forever. That we, he left us peace. He gave us peace, not the world gives, but he gave us peace to pass on understanding. How are we going to teach that message without words to those who are around us, those who are close to us? You see, some people, they talk a good game, but they don't walk it. So James, in his epistle, he's trying to tell us that it's not what you talk only, because we know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not what you hear only, but it's what you do. That's very important. And it's like the, the uh, builders, uh, in the parable of the builders, and it said, basically, therefore, that whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I liken to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And he said, and the, 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 the rains ascended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not because it was founded on the rock. But it says, and everyone who hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not, I, will, I, I shall liken him to a foolish man who built his house on the what? Sand. The same rain descended. The same, you know, floods came. The same winds blew and it beat upon that house. But that house did what? Fell. It fell because. And great was its fall because it wasn't founded on the rock. Of doing the word of God. So it's not just hearing the word of God. It's not just talking about the word of God. You must be a doer of the word of God. In James' opinion. Because he was in the household with Jesus. And he saw him doing the word of God. That's the most important thing. Because that's what changed his life. Not the talking. If the talking would have changed James' life. Then James would have been changed from the beginning. But he wasn't. He wasn't. You know, Jesus say they he said, "Hey, your mother, your brothers, sisters—they so they out there. They went. They're calling for you." He said, "Who's my mother? Who's my brother? Who's my sisters?" Those who do the will will of God. So evidently, they weren't what—they weren't really believing at that time. So God is saying that, "What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to learn from James's example?" Are we going to just go through this epistle as, well, that was nice, you know. We didn't teach, you know, uh, you know, topical messages uh, through James. We, we talked through, the, through James. That's not important. What's important is what are you going to do with James? James is a message. Are you going to become a doer of the word? Or are we going to only just come and hear the word of God and go away and say, you know, that, that was pretty good, you know. That was pretty good, you know. We'll hold up a five on that one out of ten, you know. <laughs> God is expecting us to be doers of the word. So let's look at James. Let's jump into where we left off at. In verse 21 of James. Cast off the works of darkness. Is what we... This section right here. Cast off the works of darkness. Now James is talking to those um, um, Jews now. The Christian Jews who have been... Then dispersed abroad, it's scattered all over everywhere. So he's trying to encourage them, and he's trying to tell them that, you know, you you have you've uh, gone a certain distance and you're doing good, but you still have some darkness remaining. Cast off that that which remains. Don't keep it. Don't think that we're you know doing pretty good because we're measuring ourselves with those who are just like we are, and we say, oh, I'm I'm doing pretty good because. After all, I know some more scripture than this person over here knows. That's not important. Or, you know, man, I feel bad about myself because I don't know as many scriptures as this other person know. That's not an important thing. Or that, hey, I'm doing really good because we neither one of us know much, you know. Neither one of them are yeah, okay. See, because what we want to do is compare ourselves with what God says. And God says that hey, don't be stagnant in your Christian walk because stagnation brings... Uh, what if you look at a, um, one of these? Uh, what would they call them? Man-made uh, ponds or whatever. And you, you, you drive by, you see all the pollen. You see all, after a while, you see weeds growing up in there. After while, you see things crawling around in it, and you don't want to get in it because there's nothing coming in and nothing going out. It's stagnant. You see? God says, that, "I don't want stagnation in this world. Cast off what remains." So let's look at it. Therefore, putting aside, that putting aside is casting off. It's not just a, it's not, just not a, you know, just put it, put it over here. It, it's a cast off. That's what it's saying. That's, that's, that's what that word means. Cast off. All oh, filthiness, it says here. Now, let's stop there because we need to know, well, what does this word filthiness mean now, you know? Because I took a shower this morning, you know? Well... It's talking figuratively to live in a moral sense. Now, here are some synonyms words that, 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 that have similar meaning: Obscenity, cast off all obscenity. all shame, all, all things that can call shame, defilement, lasciviousness, licentiousness, feel to talk. And you say, what's lasciviousness? <laughs> lewd, lustful things. That's which tends to produce lewd emotions. Lewd is lustful or unchaste. Licentious is lawlessness. That's a different word. It means lawlessness. It's unrestrained by rules and regulations. In other words, they do what they want to. A licentious person does what they want to do. No rules they don't follow the word of God. They don't follow the parents. They don't follow nothing. They, they make up their own rules, what's good to them, what feels good to them. That's what they do. Anything that's obscene is offensive to chastity or modesty. So it's saying cast it off. The King James will say uh, cast off all superfluity of naughtiness. You know, that's what they'll say. And superfluity means overflowing of that wickedness or anything that's caused evil uh, habits of the mind, of, the, uh, of, of your thinking. Anything that could be affecting uh, others' relationship with God. And see, a lot of times we think of our relationship, but we don't think of somebody else's relationship. But the way we act affects others. And it can influence others for the good or for the bad. And that's what some people did when I was not yet saved. I saw people going to church, but I knew them personally because I was with them uh, in closed places. I was with them in offices. I was with them in cars. I was with them. I heard the talk they're talking. I heard them and, and all those type of things. And I said, well, if they are Christians, I don't want to be a Christian. If they go to church, I don't know why they go, because it doesn't have any effect on them. You know. So it, I didn't go to church. They might say they might invite me. I said, Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. You know. I'm busy. I'll be on the couch. <laughs> on the couch. But <laughs> well, God had other plans, so He. He worked around other people and through other people. My wife being one. Sometimes you do things for your wife that you won't do for other people. So I went to church because of her, and because I knew that she lived a life that was not hypocritical. Now, if she if she asked me to go to church and, and at home she was she she was uh, acting. All contrary to the word of God, because I knew, I've been to Sunday school. I knew what, you know, I, my mother took me, you know, she, she took me to church. I knew what you're supposed to do. I just didn't do it. But if she didn't do it, there's no way she's going to tell me to go to church, you know. I wouldn't want to go to her either. But she lived a life that could be uh, an example to the believers. And I didn't want my children to grow up following me and I'm being the one that caused them to fall. Because kids kids will look at the at the weakest link. That's what they'll do. They'll want to be like the weakest link. I don't want to be that weak link. You know? Let's go a little further. You see it says, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. He's talking to them. Do we have any wickedness that remains? Do we have any, any uh, impure thoughts that remains? Do we have any uh, impure habits that remain? Do we have any, any impure talk that remains? Do we have any impure uh, walk that remains? He's saying that let's get rid of it. Then he says, in humility, receive the word and plant it. And the King James said, to the word, which is able to save your souls. I said, okay receive then graph the word receive it that to receive is not just to okay i receive it it's 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 really a, a deliberate and, and a readiness to receive something that someone has for you it's like on christmas that's what it is you don't have to be there's no it's not too many kids not too many people that's uh scrooges you know on christmas everybody want to receive gift, gifts when you have children, they are, they, they are ready. I mean, you, they, if you sleep late, you better forget it because they're going to wake you up, you know, because they are ready to receive gifts on Christmas. Yeah. Well, that's how God wants us to be with the engrafted word. Be ready, eager to receive that engrafted word, that implanted word. And the implanted word, he's talking to a number of Jewish uh, Christians now, so they have a history of the law. Trying to follow the law, so he's telling them, "Now look, you know, it, it, it's not about trying to do the works of the law, you know, and be righteous. You can't do enough to be righteous. Uh, the law in itself uh, could not change us. But now that Jesus Christ has risen, now we have." that engrafted word, God has said that in a new covenant, he says uh, in the Old Testament, because they didn't have a New Testament, remember, in the Old Testament, he's saying that, that you know, I'm going to make a new covenant with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write my words, my laws on your heart, he's telling them. So now they are understanding. He said, receive this new covenant. Receive this engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Because if you keep trying to, trying to live on both sides of the fence, I'm going to try to do the law just in case, you know. And but I'm a you know I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna get there. No, you better let that other thing go because it can't save you. You need to receive the engrafted Word which is able to save your souls. That's what he's saying. That's what God is calling us to do: receive the engrafted Word which is able to save our souls. Verse twenty-two. But prove yourselves doers of the Word and not mere hearers who delude themselves. And, and deluding yourselves is, is like being, I guess, uh, you're being fooled uh, by something that's false. It's not anything that's true, it's really false. So he's saying, you know, you, you're deluding yourselves because you're thinking that uh, uh, if you just hear the word of God, you're okay you just go to church and you hear the message you say, well, I've done my religious duty and, and Lynchburg is, 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 you know, a religious, a religious place, you know. A lot of people go to church in Lynchburg. Not everybody, but a lot of people go to church in Lynchburg, but it doesn't change them. And so he's saying that, look, I want you to not delude yourselves. Don't delude yourselves by just being a hero. You, got, you must be a doer of the word. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Now, uh, what it's talking about now is a casual look at yourself. And all of you have done it this morning, I hope, you know. All of you looked in the mirror. And, and I had, um, I borrowed a mirror for somebody. It's clean. Thank you, Ms. Dorsa, you know. But it's too clean. I see myself rude, you know, and you know it's like you take a casual look at yourself in the mirror, and 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 you say, mm, okay, yep, mm, oh, I'm okay, you know, and you go your way. You see, and, and that's what it says. Once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. You see, because we didn't look, you know, really at, at every if I if I i was I was going to bring one we have a um, a mirror that um it plugs in it lights up it has a magnifying glass mirror on one side and a mirror on the other side. I looked at him and said, "Whoa, you know <laughs> man you look at you see every pimple you see every little side, you say, "Oh my goodness, grace, you tear up, tear that thing around you know <laughs> see if, if you start looking intently at yourself. Then you start remember, oh my goodness, I don't even know where I want to go out, you know? You see? So we usually don't look at ourselves with a magnifying glass. We just look at ourselves, make sure we're presentable, you know? And we go on out. And we forget what kind of person that we were when we looked in that mirror because we didn't look intently. It says, but in verse 25, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, you see, now, now he's telling them that we, we're talking about the perfect law. We're not talking about the, the old covenant, the law. We're talking about the perfect law, you see, the law of liberty. Because the law of liberty is different from the law that you know, the law of Moses. So he said, okay, now what, what kind of law are we talking about here? If we're talking about the law of liberty, you see. We're talking about what he's already said in his word that, uh, you know, let's uh, turn to it. Uh, I think we'll probably find it uh, somewhere. In the Bible, John, let's look at John 8. Let's turn over there to John real quick. And let's look at him. Let's start in verse 31. Now it says here that, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue, what's another word for that tenure? Your students who listen to him all the time, there's another word that start with an eight, it means the same thing as continue. It means to be steadfast. It means to remain. It means to what? Abide, that's right, abide, okay? Those of you who, who, who abide or continue or stay steadfast, immovable in my word, not just in church, in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Verse 36, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free Indeed. That's the law of liberty. See, we talk about uh, verses that we talking about the old covenant versus the new covenant, the old covenant. You're not going to be free. You're bound in the law. And if you miss just one point of that law, you're guilty of missing the whole law. You're condemned. But in Christ, it's Jesus Christ's righteousness. It's not ours. And that's, that's my oh, my goodness. That is good news, isn't it? We don't have to be, uh, you know, saying, well, you know, man, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, because, you know, I messed up yesterday. Uh, we all we know we have to do is we still have the blood of Jesus. We still have, you know, Jesus Christ is alive today and it will be forevermore. And all we have to do is confess our sins because it says he's faithful and just to what? Forgive our sins and to do what? Cleanse us of how much unrighteousness? All unrighteousness. So we know that we have grace in the New Testament. That's a law of freedom. It doesn't give us liberty to do anything we want to, to go out there and be lascivious, right? Or to be licentious, or to be lewd and and, and unchaste. It doesn't uh, tell us to do that. No, it tells us that we are free now to serve God. Before, we weren't even free. We are bound. We are bound. The law binds you. But God sets you free through Jesus Christ. We are free. Let's go back to James. It says that but the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty and abides by it. Abides by it. That's another way of saying that don't be heroes only, but be what? Duels also of the Word of God. Abide in it, not having become a forgetful hero, but an effectual doer. This man is blessed in what he does. And what this is this telling us that it's not like looking in the mirror and you're looking casually just to check on your outward appearance to make sure you're okay. You're not really looking to see how many pimples you have, are you? You know, you're not really looking at that. You know, you're depressed if you look at that. But if what you're looking at is just to make sure your, your hair's okay, you know, your, your teeth look okay, you don't have food between your teeth, you know, and smiling at people. You know, you're just looking, you know, just casually. But if you look in the, in, in the perfect law now, when you're looking intently at it, what you're doing is that you're looking with a magnifying glass, and you're trying to, uh, trying to see, God, how am I supposed to be? And I see myself here, Lord. I see myself as I am. And God, I have a need for you. I cannot make it on my own. I can't go out from this house, you know, and go out from this bathroom and to to, 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 just to just the rest of the house. If if God if you're not gonna be with me because I'll say things I shouldn't say I'll do things I shouldn't do and if I go out out of these four walls into the public you know God I need your help on this job I need your help with in church because church people you know that you know hey you know <laughs> church people not all good at good at two shoes either are we we're not we're not uh, you know we're not complete yet we're supposed to be but we're not complete yet we're not telling yet we're getting there but we can. Get on each other's nerve, can't we? So I need God. We need to be before God before we leave the house. You know, don't don't think you're gonna just leave the house and come back at night and say I'm gonna get before God now. You know, you you've been out there, you're messed up now. You know, now it's time for repenting. You got to repent every night. You know, I'd rather to, to get ready in the morning and then go out. At least I'm acknowledge that I have a need for Him. So. Those of you who are night people and not morning people, you know, uh, my sympathy sympathy goes out for you, you know, uh, because I know that you stay up too late to get up early, and so you get up just enough time to get ready to run out and go to work, you know. Well, don't be surprised if you don't change much, okay? Don't be surprised. Because I'm gonna tell you that I need the Lord. I need the Lord. I need Him before I go out. I need Him while I'm out. I need Him when I come in. I need Him before I go to bed. You know, I don't want to be dreaming weird dreams. You know, really, I'm serious. Because I know that the enemy doesn't sleep, right? Yeah. So I know I need Him. It's a spiritual battle. I need Him. Uh, when I'm asleep. To protect me. There's people who died in the night. A lot of people die at night. I don't want to die at night. I need need his protection. So I need to pray at night. I need to pray at noonday. I need to praise when I'm on the way. I need to do everything. Pray without ceasing. Next week, we're going to show you how you can be an effectual doer of the word. It tells us that in in uh, Romans, 11, one through, not, not, uh, Romans 8, 1 through 11, you can read on your own and prepare for uh, the next uh, part of the message because we're going to go right into that. Uh, I intended to do that today, but the time is getting such that um, I want you concentrating. So I rather to, to say let's dismiss the service and we'll continue because... I'm not in a hurry to get through James. If I were in a hurry, I still would be. I wouldn't be in first chapter. Okay, <laughs> it takes a lot to go to go through a whole book of the Bible. Do you know that? If you're gonna go through it, then you're gonna unpack things, and that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to I'm trying to unpack this thing so that when you go away, you understand what he's saying and why he's saying what he's saying, and so you'll go away with some wisdom and some knowledge. You say, "I know God a little bit better when I read James now. I can understand him a little bit more better." Because I've, I've been taught. let stand.